Ashley Brock reading Diana Palmer's book Lawless Chapter 17. And my favorite chapter. Christina Bell was doing the laundry when a vehicle drove up outside. She was still too shaken by her near accident to be very well of her surroundings. Besides, she loved the loud hum of the old dishwasher, the old washing machine. Drowned out anything more than a room away. But Maudie was in the kitchen, finishing her bread when Judd walked in. Stopped with her hands full of dough and just stared at him. His handsome face was covered with cuts and bruises. And blood was pulled at the corner of his mouth. His one spotless white shirt was dotted with blood. Grier looks worse, he told her with a shrug. Where's Christine about? Doing doing laundry, she managed to say. He was shocked. Shocking to look at. She hadn't seen him in a fight since the day Christy's father had been beaten up. That was a long time ago. Turner went to find Christina Bell. She had her back to him. He paused in the doorway of the laundry room to study her. His eyes shuddered, his mind working like crazy. She sensed eyes on her. Abruptly, her head jerked around. She stood up slowly, facing him, and her jaw dropped. What in the world happened to you? She exclaimed. Ryder doesn't volunteer information without a little coaxing, he said grimly. He moved closer, his face unreadable. He looked at her with an expression that she couldn't understand. What kind of information were you after? She asked blankly. She knew he couldn't be it couldn't be about the baby. Cash didn't know she was pregnant. Never mind, he murmured. Took a lot of bruises not to find out anything. He sure his black eyes knew. I don't like him hanging around here, and I told him so. Now I'm telling you too. You're married. She glared at him over a towel that she dragged out of the aging dryer. Absently, she wondered if they'd ever be able to replace the machine. Not that it didn't work, but it was 15 years old. She called the towel. You kissed Tippy Moore. Yes, I kissed her. He bit off. The assistant director's doing his damned best to seduce her, and she's afraid of him. It was a stage kiss. Oh, pull the other one, she shot back. Tippy Moore, international model, afraid of a pissant little assistant director. Like... I'd like to see the man she's afraid of move closer, taking the towel away from her. He tossed it onto the dry. She has a history I can't tell you about, he said bluntly. It's enough to tell you that she's genuinely afraid of men. That's why she's been hanging on me. I've never touched her, and that's the draw. She feels safe with cops, with any law enforcement people in uniform. Christina Bell was gaping at him. She'd been envious of Tippy, hated her for the exquisite beauty that made Judd and other men so covetous. Now that she felt both sad, now she felt both sad and sorry for the other woman. Pieces of a puzzle fell into place. It must have been something terrible, she guessed, to have made the lovely woman like that. I can't come here without tripping over damn Grier, he persisted, black eyes blazing down on him. If you want the truth, I was getting even. Her lips felt part whatever she expected him to tell her that wasn't it he was jealous of her she could feel her heart beating like a wild thing in her chest he calmed a little when he saw her expression she looked fascinated apparently she wasn't eager to rub it in either he relaxed even more i only went around with cash because it hurt me to see you with tippy all the time she confessed without raising her eyes his heart jumped up into his throat. So many misunderstandings, all for what of a little honesty. It wasn't cash after all. He started smiling and then couldn't stop. 
She lifted her face to his and was trapped by the look on it. He laughed deep in his throat. Tippy's got a case on cash, but you can't tell him, he murmured. His fingers went to brush back her long, soft blonde hair. Why? He shrugged. He thinks she's the happy hooker. She said a man like that knew more about most women than they knew themselves. Her eyes searched his. You really haven't slept with her? She asked doubtingly. He said, I'll marry Christina Bell. He moves, licking his hands behind her waist. So? She asked, flushing. His head bent. He bent his head. I don't sleep with other women, baby. <laughs> Only with you. And just lately, he ground. He groaned against her soft mouth. My bed has been very empty. She let him kiss her. A few seconds into it, she forgot what she was doing altogether and lifted herself against his powerful body with a soft, wait, wait a minute. He said urgently. He moved away from her long enough to close and throw the bolt on the door. Thank God it had one. He was thinking while he could still think. He backed her up into the dryer and kissed her again. Hungrily, she was probably wearing her dressing shoes because none of her jeans would button, and he'd noticed. He smiled against her mouth as he reached under her dress and slipped off her underwear. Chad, no, we can't, she whispered. He nibbled her upper lip while he peeled off his gum belt, put it aside, and reached for his button. It's okay, baby. We can do it without the red necklace. He teased us. Besides, we're married. I'll show you the license again. He lifted her up to him. And his mouth covered hers as his lean hands brought her over. We'll go look for it later. <laughs> he groaned and he went into her. She stopped protesting, thinking, breathing. She clung to him, moaning into his devouring mouth as he drove into her with the noisy washing machine, concealing the noises they were making. She hoped it wasn't near the end of the cycle. She was so hungry for him that she sobbed with every quick, hard motion of his hips. She wanted to drag his clothes off, push him down on the floor, and ravish him. She didn't realize she was saying it until they wound up in a tangle of limbs on the linoleum, with his body heavy on hers as they clung to each other in a raging fever of desire. She never expected such instant passion. In the last secret instant, he lifted his head and watched her face as he drove her right over the edge in ecstasy. She shuddered and shuddered, her cries almost inhuman as her nails bit into his hips. Seconds later, his body corded and arched. He made a hoarse, harsh cry, and his face contorted. She watched him so excited that her whole body felt on fire with the overwhelming heat of fulfillment. Even in Japan, it had been so intense, she couldn't stop shivering. Tears ran down her cheeks while he moved helplessly against her in the pulsing aftermath. Just as he collapsed on her, the washing machine stopped abruptly. Between cycles, she felt his body shake. It wasn't until he lifted his head and she saw his dancing black eyes that she realized why. He was laughing. What a relief. That damn salmon can hear an ant walk across a sponge at 15 feet, and he likes to record people when they don't know he's listening. He murmured breathlessly. That washer had stopped a few seconds sooner. She laughed too, trying to imagine the embarrassment. The washer started up again, noisily, and he moved against her mouth tracing her lips, her cheek, her ear. He nibbled her earlobe. She kissed his cheek and groaned. Sorry, she remembered noting that she kissed the cut. She touched his breeze face. Does your jaw hurt? You know, it brought her his heart. What did you want him to tell you? She persisted. That he'd keep his distance from you. He invented. He pursed his lips and moved deliberately so that she could feel the slow, delicious burgeoning of his body. 
But I don't think that's going to be a problem now, do you? <laughs> he moved again. She gasped. She was still sensitive, and those tiny movements were so sweet that she started moving again. Naughty. It's like the last 15 more minutes here, Monitor Benny. But I doubt if I will. <laughs> Let's see. She whispered rakishly and pulled him down to her. They were standing again when the washer wound down for the second time. She just pulled her underwear back up, and he refastened his jeans. But he glanced down at his shirt and said, Drive to y'all fisher first. I should have done the same. I got a clean one. I can't go back to work like this. She smiled radiantly and nodded. Going to the clothes rack, she pulled out a clean iron white shirt and handed it to him. Took off the one he was wearing, wearing an undershirt, also liver, liberally splattered with spectacles. Damn, he muttered. He got a clean undershirt too, she said, turning to pull. One out of the clothes basket wire she'd been folding on here. Stripped off the undershirt where that she was eating him with her eyes. He tossed the undershirt and the white shirt into the laundry hamper and moved closer, bringing her hands to his hair over chest. I didn't even have the presence of mind to undress first. I wanted you so badly, he mused with a smile. I'm going to commute to Victoria from now on. I'll spend my nights here where I belong and we won't be sleeping in separate beds. You gonna sleep with me? She had fascinated. Of course. She surrounded herself. Unless you'd rather stay in my old room. That might be interesting. You could put on the regular negligee and come seduce me at night. <laughs> she sat. She hit him gently and laughed. I'll sleep with you and do my seducing in comfort. You're my husband. She whispered, feeling everywhere. You're my wife. He bent kissed her gently, drawing her hands back and forth over chest. I'm sorry you wouldn't open your Christmas present. <laughs> Why? She asked absently. It was pearls, pink pearls, your favorites, but there were two presents. Tippy, Tippy gave me back the ring, teased me into buying, which I didn't, which I did to save my pride. When I returned it, he had gently. I bought a set of rings, one for you, one for me, wedding bands, so you get two presents, not one. She just looked at him. I never wanted a divorce, you guys. Oh, really? My mother was young like you, and maybe she wasn't ready for marriage. I saw my father die inside after she left him. He never got over the divorce, and he mourned her until he died. I didn't want to end up like him. I was afraid of commitment. I knew you cared about me, but I was afraid it was just a crush. He confessed. Some crush, she said with a smile. It lasted five years. I knew that when you took a bullet for me, he said quietly. That was when I knew you felt something powerful for me. But Grier was always around better men than me. I felt inferior to him. Cash is a sad and lonely sort of person, she replied. I felt sorry for him. I know things about him that you don't, Judd. He was married just briefly, and there was going to be a child. I don't know what happened, but they divorced bitterly. He was just a friend. I didn't know that. I was crazy with jealousy. I finally realized that you weren't going to wait forever while I sorted out what I felt for you. That was when I knew that I was going to fight to keep you. She gazed at him and encouraged him to continue. You know, my parents were exact opposites. He was in love, but she married him without really loving him. She did fall in love with another man, and she couldn't help what she did. I never understood that before because I'd never been in love, his voice had turned us. But I understand her actions better now, even if I still don't approve of them. Love takes away your choices, you and I think alike. And I believe deep down, I knew all along that we'd have enough in common to make a good marriage. But I just couldn't let go of the past. 
or the fact that you and Cash seemed so close, I couldn't be certain what you felt for him. He gave me some bad moments, especially after we came back from Japan. She smiled slowly. Tippy gave me some. She's beautiful and sophisticated. Sophisticated like Grier, he chased her ear, pressing in her soft hair behind it. They can console each other, he said with a little grin. But they're both out of the running. She hesitated. Are you sure? His dark eyes lifted. Just how many women do you think I've ever ravished on the floor of a laundry room? Her eyes narrowed. It had better only be one, she returned with mock anger. Now you sound more like yourself. He reached for the clean undershirt. Her hands fluttered against the thick hair of his chest as she reluctantly moved away. He smelled of aftershave and soap. She liked the masculine scents far too much. I've got to, I've got to get back to work. I'm trying out losing ends in the Clark case. I never told you because he was doing the poisoning down here. Not Jack Clark? She asked, no. His brother John was poisoning cattle, and he killed old Hop. He got a friend and a co-worker, the same man who loaned him the pickup truck, to give an alibi for the time of old Hop's death by making him think a jealous girlfriend was checking up on him. Jack Clark killed a young woman for testifying against him and sending him to prison for six years. Jack was our prime suspect for the poisoning because he lived in Jacobsville, and he knew it. Don't leave anything out, she demanded. The councilwoman who was showing Jack the properties in Victoria had no idea that he was establishing an alibi while his brother was down here poisoning boys. They poisoned Brewster's bull because it was one of the prodigy of Hardland's solar boys, bulls. They poisoned our bull because they were both getting even with us for firing Jack. But if it hadn't been for you, I might never have sold the murder case in Victoria. Me? He pulled his shirt on, fastened it, and stuck the star back on the park. You mentioned how the fence was cut, he said. We had a cut fence at the scene of the last homicide. I checked it against the picture you had Nick take of our cut fence. It was a perfect match. Our fence that you had sense enough to save has become prime evidence, not to mention that black pickup truck that belonged to John Clark's friend, Gold, in Victoria. Then those colored fibers I mentioned that were found at the crime scene matched a swatch from a flannel shirt you remember Clark wearing when he confronted you on the ranch. It was with a box of his belongings that John Clark took to Victoria with him. There's one other critical pit of piece of evidence we latched on to also. Don't keep me in suspense, she said excitedly. Beside a hair found on the shirt at the crime scene, the evidence technician noted teeth marks on the woman's breast. She hadn't been dead long, and her body was half covered by the shirt when she was recovered. The technician said her body was still warm when they found it. He played a hunch. He put sterile water on a swab, went over the woman's breast. He got DNA evidence that links the murder directly to Jack Clark, and that hair on the shirt the woman was wearing matched one of Clark's exactly. That evidence is all admissible in court. I didn't know you could do that, Chick. I'll have to clue you in more about forensic evidence. Why did he kill her, do you know? Yes. She was a young girl who testified against him for sexual assault and battery and vanished. Spent six years in prison on her testimony. After he was released, he and John went to work for Hanley, who had the purebred Silas rule. Hanley was her husband's best friend. Hanley fired them about the time Jack recognized the young woman and decided to get even. John Clark poisoned his boys, bulls, Jack raped and killed the woman. 
Good lord, and what about poor old Hobbs? She continued. When we told Jack Clark about the concrete forensic evidence against him, he gave in and confessed everything with the public defender sitting right beside him. He said his brother went to Hobbs just to threaten him, to keep him quiet. Hobbs refused to be threatened. He was going to call the police and tell them that Clark boys cut the fence. John hit it. John hit him in the throat with a fire poker. He didn't mean bulls, but he couldn't live with killing a, bull, a human. He didn't mind bulls. But he couldn't live with killing a human. Took Jack. He told Jack he was going to rob a bank. And if he got killed, he didn't care. Poor old Hobbs, she said sadly. What a sad way to die. So Jack's gone away for a long time. It was a good thing. Because the behavioral psychologist who evaluated him said he might have killed again. Clark still hates me, of course, for what happened to his brother and for helping put together the evidence that's going to convict him for murder he grinned at like i care she hugged him hard secure for the first time in her marriage and he didn't me and he didn't believe me about the cattle or the fence at first he jerked him no to my cost i didn't that could have had fatal consequences if clark had been a little more confident i'm sorry to you well those days are over Tell me black is white, baby, and I'll believe you now. It's in his head. Search church house. He happy on his mind. Excuse me. I have to go back to work. She looped her arms around his neck and kissed him hungrily. Take me with you. I'd never get a thing done. He teased. He put her away reluctantly. With black gold on his gun belt. I'll be home by six. She felt as if her whole life had changed in a space of hours. She couldn't stop smiling. Okay. I'll lay out my red negligee. He chuckled delightfully. That's a date. He unlocked the door. They walked hand in hand to the front door. He looked down at her and wished that he could tell her what he knew. She was carrying his child. He never felt closer to her. He never loved her so much, but he had to wait to buy his time. If she found out that he knew, she might think he was staying with her for all the wrong reasons. He didn't dare let on. Kissed her goodbye and drove off making a middle known to phone Briar and warn him again not to spill the beans. Monty didn't say a word, but she couldn't stop smiling either. The next morning, the crew was working again, but this time it was different because everyone could see what was happening between Judd and his young wife. Tippy felt as if it had become open season on her. After one particular difficult scene in the bar, Gary Maines called Cut, moved into the set with his back to the barn door, slide a very familiar armor on Tippy's shoulder, deliberately forcing her against his body. Gary had become Tippy's worst nightmare all over again. Now listen, doll, Gary goes, just to do the scene the way it's written. Don't try to do any real acting, got it? All I want is for you to look pretty and swing those sexy hips for me. He smothered his hand lingeringly over her hot bottom with a leer worthy of a parole convict. Seconds later, his hand was in midair, Facing backward with a very cold eyed cast iron on the end of it. I don't think you meant to do that, did you, Gary? Cash asked pleasantly, flexed his hand a fraction, just enough to make Gary flinch. Sexual harassment is such a nasty term. Think what the press would make of it. In our politically correct society, do you see my point? He added softly in that whole tight again. I see it perfectly, Gary gasped, turned into the hold to keep from having his hand wrenched off and even though i can't arrest you for it since it's out of my jurisdiction 
I can call with my one of my buddies who works for the sheriff's department, and he can arrest you. So you won't touch her like that again, will you, Gary? Cash persisted, smiling. That smile sent cold chills down Tiffany's spine. Not ever in my life, I swear. Gary gasped. Cash let go of his hands to smile. I think you might like to call a ten-minute break. He added, I like a word with Miss Moore. Go right ahead, Gary gritted. He gave Tippy a look of pure loathing. Ten minutes, everyone, he called, and then got out of Cash's vicinity as quickly as he could manage, holding his wrists in his other hand. Cash motioned to Tippy with his head. She went to him like a lamb without a single protest and stood looking up at him with wide, perplexed green eyes. Why do you let him handle you like that? He asked quietly. She was shaking. She wrapped her arms around herself. I'm 26 years old, she said. I have a nine-year-old brother to support. Modeling doors are already closing for me. I have to make it in film or it won't have a source of income. You think money is worth letting that second cousin of a tarantula climb over your body like a fungus? He persisted. What did I tell you at the hospital when Chrissy was shot? About looking him in the eye and saying no. She looked up at him with pain in her eyes. That's easier to say than do. <sighs> His chin lifted slowly. His black eyes were steady and narrow on her face. Well, you're going to try, aren't you? She nodded because he had the sort of effect on people. You could have hurt him, she said hesitantly. His eyes pinned her. Traces of his past made cold shadows in his eyes. I could have broken his hand as easily as I bruised it. A few years ago, I wouldn't even have hesitated. He was thinking his mind was adding up facts and producing conclusions. You're sexual in a half shell until a man comes within two feet of you. Then you ice over. But under the ice, there's fear. You're afraid of him. He remembered pointing toward the man with his chin. But no, he had his heart. As afraid of him as you by not, he added. As afraid of him as you are of me. She swallowed. She hated being so transparent, but Carrie's boldness had unnerved her. He nodded her posture and convinced her You weren't afraid of Judd at all, he recalled with narrow eyes. But he never touched you, did he? Her face gave him the answer at once, and I said, So that was it. Her eyes lifted to his full surprise, curiosity. Moved a step closer, torn by conflicted emotions as he watched the pain crawl across her beautiful face to look like a startled doe, but she didn't move away. He fascinated her. She couldn't remember since childhood a man who stood up for her as he stood up to Gary, except for Judd. Policemen have been kind to her long ago. Cash was wearing a uniform. Stepped closer, deliberately, towering over her. She could see the black freckles scattered over the bridge of his straight nose, the thickness of the muscle tash over his central mouth, thin triangle goatee under his lower lip. She would see the faint wave in his thick black hair where it was pulled back into a ponytail. He smelled clean and masculine. She liked being close to him. That was a shock and it filtered into her gaze, but being so close to him made her nervous. She took a quick step backward. Her behavior, her behavior puzzled him. It was common gossip in the tabloids that she lived with a man for six years, a motion picture star twice her age, who had an almost obscure reputation for his blatant love affairs with women. She had a reputation in the industry for being sexually aggressive, but how could she be experienced and make a habit of backing away from a man who could come too close? She might have been pretending nervousness, but he could tell that she wasn't. None of this made sense to him. His dark eyes narrowed as they searched her. 
He's not going to bother you again because you're not going to let him, right? She swallowed. Gary made her skin crawl, but she never stood up to him. Unusually, usually she just made a dead set at men and made them uncomfortable, deliberately making them feel that they could never mesh up to her ideal. But Gary was a frog. He reminded her too much of that man in her past. She couldn't use her wiles on him. She was afraid of him. Right? He prompted. She noticed as if his stung string was attached to her chin. Jibby, he repeated her name strong. What was it a nickname for? Tristina, she said bitterly, brushed her hair out of her eyes. It's supposed to mean sadness. My mother felt that way when she had me, or so the story goes. She didn't like having children, but she did love to sleep with men. The more, the merrier. She hesitated. She said she wasn't sure who my father was. He didn't look as if it mattered to him. He studied her quietly. He must have been a—he must have been a good-looking man. Was always said. She grumbled. My mother is a knockout even now. She has red hair and green eyes like me. I figure that even years of alcohol abuse hasn't fractured. She's not stupid either. I had a hard time getting Rory away from her, but money doesn't talk. But money does talk. I have sole custody now, and I'm not giving it up. Rory. My brother, he reached out a big hand and moved a strand of red gold hair out of her mouth. Why do you have custody? Because li- her new living boyfriend hated him and beat him up bad enough to put him in the hospital when he was four. A policeman I know called and told me. What the hell was your mother doing at the time? He explained. She swallowed her, holding him down. He sighed. Sigh was audible, looking at her. They began to get disturbing images, almost as if they were passing from her mind directly to his. His dark eyes narrowed. He added up her defensive posture, her fear of men, and disregarded the licentious reputation of the man she lived with. The situation got he got was very disturbing. She's not getting him back, she said coldly, no matter what it costs me. Including putting up with lizard lips over there, he said, jerking his head toward Gary. She looked up, surprised, and a tingle laughed at her. Gary can nurse his hand all day and think. Gary can nurse his hand all day and think of me, he said with narrow dark eyes. Come on. He went with her back to set comfortable distance so that he didn't make her uneasy. He even smiled at Gary. Tippy walked right up to the man, feeling unusually confident. He says that if you put your hands on me ever again, Gary, I can have you arrested and sue you for harassment. She smiled prettily. You can do carry. You do carry insurance, don't you, darling? Gary went pale. He glanced the cash and flares her. All right, people, we've wasted enough time. Let's go back to work. Tippy, Tippy gave Cash a quick glance and a shy, odd little smile before she went back to work. Judge resolved not to let Christina Bell suspect he knew about her pregnancy. It lasted exactly four more days. So he came home from work early and found Christina Bell on the back of a flatbed with Nick tossing bales of hay off to the cattle in one of the pastures. To say that he raised hell was an understatement. statement. He lifted her off the truck, carried her to his SUV, put her in the seat, and drove her tight-lipped straight to Dr. Jebediah Coltrane's office, went with her to the desk, and told the receptionist that she had to be seen immediately. The waiting room was empty. Cop. Cooper's not here, the girl stammered, and Lou is just about to leave, too. Not yet, she's not. He drew Christina Bell with him through the door and into the hallway. Lou, he called. Dr. Lou Coltrane came out, first startled and amused when she looked at her visitors. 
Can I help you? Lou asked John. His lips made as in, I want a pregnancy test right now. Okay, Lou replied, trying to be good. When was your last period? Not me, her. He ground up, glaring down in an astonished Christian. She was tossing bales of hay out of a truck, for God's sake. Lou's smile faded. That's not wise if you're pregnant, Chrissy. She said gently. Christina Bell started crying. You can't know, she cried at her husband. How do you know? I'm not blind, am I? He muttered. You can't fasten your slacks and you can't eat breakfast either. He hated himself for not telling the truth. Marty told you. Marty didn't tell me anything. He defended himself. <sighs> Let's take a blood sample, Chrissy. Lou said intervening. When was your last period? Period. She had to say with a smug child blue sitting everywhere. Lou got Betty and they did the test. It was positive. Lou arranged for an appointment for Christina Bell to see an OBGYN specialist in Victoria who also worked at Jacobsville General. Then she prescribed vitamins. No more lifting, she cautioned, and eat properly. Christina Bell agreed meekly. She was relieved at the way Judd was taking the news of impending fatherhood. He wasn't even upset. It relaxed her. Back in the SUV, he couldn't stop grinning. He reached for her hand and licked it. Her fingers with his. So much for her, he said smugly. She studied him intently, watching for signs of unrest of her men. You aren't angry? I'm delighted. I'm also relieved to count it. Now I can't. Now I can sleep nights without worrying that you'll leave me to run off with Briar. He likes babies. She retorted. He can find another woman and make some of his own. This one is mine. He's at him. What a Christmas present I'm going to get this year. In fact, the baby would be due just before then. She was fascinated by the play of emotions on his dark, lean face. Couldn't have pretended so much pleasure. She wondered if a woman could faint of pure happiness. She never felt so safe, so secure, so cared for in all her life. He was fond of her, of course, and he wanted the baby. Maybe in time he might even come to love her. She had so much to look forward to. So much. The film company said goodbye and left for the airport. Tippy made a wholesale apology to Christina Bell and Judd about the problem she caused and said they'd both be invited to the premiere of the movie in New York when it came out in about seven months. That would be November, and the baby would be due the next month. Cash Grier went to the airport just as he, she finished checking in and started toward the metal detectors. Wait a minute, he said quietly, pulling her side. He handed her a business card with his name and phone number on it. Just in case you have any more trouble over your little brother, he added. There's a private number written on the back. If you ever need help, use it. She asked, why would you do that for me? She asked, you hate me. His dark eyes met her green ones again. Hell, I don't know. You have to question everything. She reached out hesitantly and touched his sleeve, although her hand dropped almost as soon as it made contact. He was wearing his uniform. He looked very neat and clean. Thank you for what you did about Gary, for what you made me do. I was afraid of losing the only job I had. She smiled shyly. I've had some problems getting work lately, but you're right. Nobody should have to take that just to keep working. See that you remember it, here, Pie coolly. She studied his face so far above hers with real interest. You can come with Judd and Chrissy to the premiere of the movie if you like. I'll send a ticket anyway. He cocked his head and stared. I'll come, he said unexpectedly. She flushed, her eyes brightened, she laughed innately. Around her, men were staring, women were staring at her. 
darling beauty, she seemed totally unaware of the attention. She had eyes only for the man in front of her. I'd like that, she said huskily. Thank you, Mr. Cryer. I'm no more than twelve years your senior, he pointed out. You can call me Cash. She smiled. They're smiling. What's that jump for? He said, Cassius. Really? He meant my mother was fond of the classics. Her eyes went to his black hair and his neat ponytail, to his mustache and the tiny triangle of hair, just to blow his sensual mouth. He loved her. He nodded very much. She sighed, and bitter memories pressed a smile from her lips. Must be nice. She glanced toward the metal detectors where the crew was slowly passing. I'd better go. She put the card in her pocket. Thanks again. You sure? I like movie stars, she murmured, blithering grinned at her. That grin hit her heart right in the heart. She smiled at I like cops. Her eyes glanced off his, and she turned and went quickly toward the metal detector, just before she followed her suitcase and purse into the secure area. She looked back at him. She never felt so alone in her life. He was still watching her, too. He watched until she was out of sight, for reasons he couldn't begin to understand. As for Christina Bell, she discovered new things about her own husband in the months that followed. He loved to make things at a workshop out in the utility shed, but it had been idle for a long time. Now he brought some new equipment and lumber and started making baby furniture. But just before the baby was due, the tickets came for New York's premiere of Tippy Moore's movie. Christina Bell knew that Judd would go, and she was suddenly insecure and frightened of the future. He'd never made any confession of love to Christina Bell, who had a sneaking suspicion that he'd known about the baby before she even ever told him. So what if he went to New York and discovered that he really loved Tippy after all? The end of chapter 17.